1: Welcome to our final edition before the NFL Draft of our Spotify Live Q&A show where we take live callers and answer your questions about the Detroit Lions, about the NFL Draft, about anything you really want, but it's mostly NFL Draft and Detroit Lions talk. At this point, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. And with me, as always, are two co-hosts for the Spotify Live sessions, Ryan Matthews, Senior Editor at Ryan underscore POD. How we doing, buddy? I am a rando internet journalist.
2: I stand <laughs> in solidarity with other rando internet journalists. But
1: I'm doing I'm doing great, Jeremy. How are you? I'm good. That is that our new our, our next T shirt or is that too close to the I'm a real journalism thing? No, I think it builds on it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe just throw that on the back of, of that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh our other uh real journalism uh part of this podcast our
3: our editor-in-chief
1: of pride of detroit you know him you love him it's eric schlitt how we doing dude
3: <laughs> wow i i don't know if everybody loves me but i'll i'll take it thank you i mean come on
1: pretty much everybody i oh. i know i know i know you're not number two trusted lines writer anymore <laughs>
3: <laughs> are you talking about the hour magazine stuff yeah 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 they're doing another uh release uh, okay we'll see. yeah we'll see we'll fingers see. crossed buddy maybe, maybe i'll be third maybe I'll drop.
2: <laughs> i don't know what this is but i want to learn all about it later
1: so <laughs> one day one day when you're old enough frian uh okay <laughs> all right uh let's let's throw the the chitter chatter away let's get to our first caller already uh, we got a bunch of people looking to have their questions answered, and so first on the list is Michael. Michael, are you there? I am. Good morning from California, guys. Good morning. Thanks for waking up early with us.
4: Yeah, and Eric, you're always number two on our hearts. <laughs> okay. so, so I want. You're welcome. I wanted to throw out a question based off of a. I think both Coach Campbell and Brad Holmes have made multiple comments about they're looking for the guy, forget about positional value. So if we rule out edge rusher, offensive tackle, and quarterback, is there a prospect out there that is, you know, basically wart free, culture fit, good athlete
1: that you could envision being the number two pick? I, I'm glad you asked this question because that that stuck out to me both in Dan Campbell and, and when Brad Holmes talked about it this week, basically said the exact same thing as Dan Campbell did a few weeks ago, which is exactly what you said. Just we're, we're looking for a guy, not necessarily a position, not necessarily those, those three premier positions. We're looking for a guy who can just play and will be here for years and years to come. So, I mean, I, I have to imagine that narrows things down to quarterback and safety in terms of this draft class, unless they go wide receiver, which would be a surprise, but, Um, are, are either of you guys buying into sauce or Stingley or, or Hamilton as, as a legitimate option there at two this year?
3: I'm not, uh, not yet. I mean, like everything is really cooled around these guys and and there's still, there's still, um, a few analysts that are, you know, suggesting that it could happen, but they're, they're adding big asterisks on on those comments. They're saying, you know, sure. Seems like edge rusher could be a quarter but i'm not really going to commit to that and so and i mean if, look we did our last mock draft uh, mock draft roundup uh this morning we dropped it mm-hmm. and zero people uh mocked either of those two guys to to the lines this week it was all edge rusher or quarterback and so um i just i don't it's it's hard it's hard enough to you know ignore the positional value. You know what I mean? Like as much as they say they're going to, I really think it's, it's really hard for an organization to ignore that. Um, But yeah, you know, sauce is a top five player, probably Uh, Hamilton could be a top five player in this class. Like there's a chance both those guys could really do well. I just don't, there's risk involved to it. And as we've talked about that, this organization seems really risk adverse at this stage of the rebuild.
1: Ryan, are you are you buying any of this? Are you, do you think well, – let me ask you a different form. Would you be shocked if they went corner or safety? I
2: don't know if I would be shocked okay. just because it's it's been put out there, right? Yeah. And, and I think these comments have, have opened the door for that. But I'm I'm mostly in Eric's camp. Like, there's going to be an edge rusher there, right? I mean, the Jaguars can't take all three of them. <laughs> um, but I, I think that for the most part – I want to believe, and, and here's the interesting thing too, right? Like if there's a lot of smoke with all of this, Trayvon Walker might be the number one overall pick, or, you know, maybe it's Thibodeau. Either way, if it's an offensive lineman, if Hutchinson is there, I don't think that there's a scenario in which the Lions don't draft Aiden Hutchinson. So I, I, I don't think that all of a sudden they would say, well, you know, like Sauce Gardner could really be a player for us for a few years or Kyle Hamilton's really going to, really going to clean up the back end for us, like I I think that it would be Hutchinson and it'd it'd be a no brainer. So um, that's just kind of where I'm at right now.
3: If I can add, um, I think – you know, they—they they, one of the things they've also said at these, um, you know, last couple of pressers was that they have like five or six players mm-hmm. pretty equally rated. Yep. And if you have five or six players equally rated, well, what's the tiebreaker? Well, that's positional value. Bingo. Like that's contract. And so, for me, I think that's when—that's where this comes into play. I, I think you're right, but I think if—if—if if, if there are five or six guys that
1: are in there, you have to imagine Sauce is probably one of them. Certainly. And it, you know, full confession, I've I've started to talk myself into the possibility of it happening and making sense because, and, and I, I think I owe an assist to the Athletic Boys for, for their podcast because they brought up a good point. Like, this team doesn't have a number one corner. It, it could be Jeff Okuda, but that's a huge could. Huge could. I don't think the the ceilings of anyone else on that team is CB1. Well,
3: and, I, I mean, we all know you don't like warrior but... <laughs> Right now, jeez, yeah, I mean, say it louder, Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a good CB2. I don't think his ceiling is
1: CB1. I don't think he can be a shutdown corner. Um, and, and I think you can make an argument that a shutdown corner is one of the most important positions in football today. So I don't even know if I would throw it away just because it's not as good of a positional value as Edge, because I think it's right up there. Call me
3: crazy. You're crazy. Um, but <laughs> honestly, uh, I look, I understand the point you're making. Um, it is it, – it, there is value to the position, for, for, you know, for certain. But, like, the edge rusher just has more impact. And I think what they consistently said, we're looking for an immediate impact player. Um, and that just, for me, it just screams edge. So, I mean, would I be shocked if they took a, a defensive back? N- no, I wouldn't be shocked. But – uh, at the same time, it, everything that they're saying points to edged in my in my mind.
4: So guys, you've you've left out one of our biggest needs, the linebacker room. Uh, there's three or four really top in linebackers. Could one of those guys be the uh, the p- no positional value, uh, worthless prospect for us?
2: Not that, not, a, not it. Not I would I would be very concerned. <laughs> if <you're a> linebacker <laughs> went number two. Yeah, I don't. And I don't, I don't yeah, and that's even saying like after our talk with Brett and you know how much he talked up Devin Lloyd, like there's no way that Devin Lloyd could be the second overall pick.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I'm with you there too. I, I that that to me is where positional value really kicks in, and I think especially in this defense where they're they're probably going to be in four two a lot. There's only going to be two linebackers. You're you're not necessary. I mean, he'd be an every down kind of guy, but. um I think just about every other position on defense is more valuable in this defense than, than linebackers. So that would be a tough sell for me, a trade down to maybe the lower end of the top 10. You could, you could talk me into that, but I think at two, that's, that's too much. All right. Uh, Thanks for, for the the call Michael. Michael. Good. I I think that was a good conversation to to kick things off. Um, Let's move down the line here to Mathis. Mathis, how are you doing, man?
5: Doing alright. How are you guys? Good, good. Ready for the strap, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so many, so many bad takes. Uh, but let's not <laughs> talk about that. Let's focus on on day th- on day three. because um, so by then there's gonna they're gonna make a lot of takes and you know, people are gonna be arguing about some or the other. But we've got a lot – but we've got – well, I was going to say we had a lot of day day three picks, but we lost our seventh. Um, What do you guys see their plan for for day three? Like what positions would you guys like to see hit for day three? Because I think we still – we still need those day three picks to hit because – or at least some of them to stick around because one of the problems with Bob Quinn was – a lot he a lot of the day three guys got cut their first year. Yeah. So what do you guys so what so what do you guys think is the plan and what should be the hope for those day three picks? I'll
1: throw this one to you, Ryan. The lines have 177, 181, and 217. So a, a low fifth, a high sixth, and a low sixth. What are you hoping to accomplish with those three picks?
2: Well, it, it might seem like a little bit of a cop-out answer, but I, I also kind of want to see what happens in those first five picks in the first two days, right? Like, you know, two through the picks that they have at 97. And, and I, I think the other thing that's really intriguing, and, and our, our conversation with Brett really made me realize this, is that huge gap that exists between pick 97 and where the Lions pick at the end of the fifth round. Like, yeah. I am not going to be shocked in – any sort of fashion. If the lions acquire a fourth round pick, um, whether it's, whether it's trading back, um, with any of those, you know, first five picks that they have on the first two days, or if it's trading future draft capital, like they did to move up to draft Derek Barnes. Um, but, but I I think largely like as we've kind of parsed through mock drafts and all this stuff, like it seems like day three might be a sweet spot to, I don't know, grab, grab a running back, grab a tight end, grab um, maybe another cornerback, because it, it seems like that might be Brad Holmes operating uh, or his, his modus operandi, right, is like, yeah, he drafted, he drafted, uh, drafted Iffy in the third round last year, and then, you know, proceeded to pick up Jerry Jacobs as a UDFA, and, you know, he he drafted Jamar Jefferson really late, and, you know. I, you can never have too many cornerbacks, and I, I think that it, it's good to have competition in the running back room too. So um, I think some of these positions that you really see get turned over a lot on the roster, um, on a lot of NFL rosters, I, I think those are the positions that maybe Brad Holmes will be targeting with those uh, three picks on on day three. I'm interested to, to hear what Eric has to say, though.
3: Yeah, for me, I, you know, I, I think they're going to go a little heavier – on the offensive or I'm sorry, on the defensive players with those first five picks sure. right? because yeah. uh, those are where the, the glaring needs are uh, at the same time. They're going to have, if they hit like, you know, linebacker safety edge and um, they're, and then maybe wide receiver, they're still going to have kind of a pick to play with. And I think one of those third rounders is going to fill like a depth need. Right. Um, but when you get to day three, that's really what it's all about. That depth need. So, Could they take a offensive lineman to add some depth? Absolutely. Could they take a tight end too? Could they take a running back too? Like you had just suggested. Um, I think on offense a depth type player is definitely in the conversation and then special teams right and and you can talk special teams depth at 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 all levels on defense right you could you could make an argument for doubling up on a safety or doubling up on an edge or a linebacker or or like you you had ryan had mentioned a corner makes a lot of sense too because you always need to draft corners that's just the the nature of the league so yeah, it's really depth and special teams type contributions. Uh that's what I would be targeting uh, on day 3. Jeremy is muted. He's never muted.
1: He is never muted. That's my <laughs> fault. That's my fault. Uh, <laughs> ah, yeah. I, w- I was talking and no one was hearing me. I I, I said, dude, that's w- normal. That's normal. The- hey, wow. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on to the next question. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining us. By the way, we'll we'll talk to you later. <laughs> thank you, Ma- thank you, Mathis. <laughs> Appreciate the question, Mathis. <laughs> Uh, now I, I am, I am a, rec, a wreck cause now I have lost my list of people that are in order to, to come on. So, you know, what? I'll just go with, uh, I think it's Carl's turn. Carl, welcome to the show. Are you there, Carl? Nope.
2: Oh, can you hear me now? Yep. Yep. Okay, great. Good morning, yeah. guys. Good, Good morning. morning. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Jeremy does it all the time. <laughs>
6: All right. I was thinking about taking a, a step back in the overall defensive philosophy and they mentioned that they are cons- or they plan to show more four down linemen looks. Looking back at you know New Orleans where Aaron Glenn comes from, they run that 425 and Eric, I really appreciate your discussion of that uh star linebacker kind of safety mix that I think in New Orleans, I think Quan Alexander filled that role for them. Um, and looking at who they brought in, they brought in a lot of smaller linebackers like uh, to, for their meetings with Dean and Asimura and Harper. I'm wondering if that may be a, a, a tip towards what they're looking for there. But one of the big things that they seem to be missing is that big edge that Cam Jordan kind of fills. Um, And I was just wondering if you guys had any thoughts, if that might be the long-term couple of years down the road, if that's something immediately you think they might go to and who to look for in the draft that would fill some of those, uh,
1: those positions that would ease that transition. I'll throw this one right to Eric. What are your thoughts on those comparisons?
3: Well, I I think if there's a Cam Jordan in this draft, it's, it's Trayvon Walker. And I think he's the guy who could definitely fill that same type of role. Obviously there's some developmental aspects of pass rushing that have to kick in to get him to that level. But um, he is that bigger defensive end that can add, or, you know, that can fill a more, more of that anchor left defensive end type of role that I think would be very natural to him. Um, I also agree with the fact that they are prioritizing speed at linebacker. I think yeah. that is a, a massive um, trait. Like, you know, they've, they've thrown away the whole we care about size concept that we saw with the last regime. And then this one, it's focused on, on scheme or on, on speed. But like, as you mentioned, like with Asamoah, he's kind of in this, he's not, he's even smaller than Dean. Like Dean gets, you know, is getting the, the the raw end of the deal on his size, but Asamoah is actually a little bit taller, but he's actually um almost like five or six pounds lighter. So Asamoah would be, in my opinion, like a sub package type of uh, linebacker. And that's something they don't really have right now. Right now they've been using their two starting linebackers uh, pretty much the entire time. and And some of that could be, they lost, um, they, they lost uh, Jamie Collins and then they, you know, they were searching for a backup and then, you know, uh, Derek, Clark, uh, Derek Barnes wasn't ready. And so they uh, they kind of had to lean on Anzalone and uh, Reeves maybe a little bit more, but I could also see them trying to add that type of player, like that kind of hybrid, um, you know, smaller than a, uh, smaller than a traditional linebacker, but a little bit bigger than a safety. Uh, and the reason that I think that, beyond Asamoah is that um, I think when they added Devontae Beckett, I think that kind of speaks to that because Beckett's another guy who was, you know, undersized. And while he had special teams value, I think they might've been trying to turn him into that type of role. And so, yeah, I'm expecting them as they get more depth on the roster that they're going to keep long-term. I do think they're going to try and add these players that are more, you know, specific to certain situations, whether it be like with Will Harris, you're going to have these matchup defensive backs, or you're going to have these faster, smaller linebackers that can fill these kind of sub package linebacker roles. So, I do think that that is definitely part of the plan, and you saw that with the Saints, uh, as as Carl mentioned. And so, yeah, definitely, it's going to take time, and they have to fill like the starter roles you know, as they go, but adding p- these more specific positionally specific players, I think is part of the plan.
1: Ryan, do you got a, a linebacker that you're kind of hoping the the Lions target it or maybe a, a sweet spot in the draft where you think uh, is good value for them?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like it's that 32-34 spot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where the board kind of meets the value. But I, I think that, you know, Carl's question was great and Eric's response was, was phenomenal. It, the, the, the question that I'm, that I'm going over in my own head right now, though, is, if the lions do hit on a lot of these starter needs that they do have on the defense, as Eric mentioned, like is 66 too early to go with a, a sub package kind of guy, or is 97 too early to go sub package, uh, for, for, a, for a guy that is going to fit their defense really well. And to be honest, I don't think so. Like if the, no. if the, val- the value is there, like go grab the guy, like if, if he is like a piece here your defense, that's going to be, you know, this quote unquote sw- Swiss army knife, then, then go ahead and go for it. But like, I'm really big on the Dean. Like, I I think that just the guy can fly around and make plays. And I think that's all they really want. Like, you know, I I think a lot of our brains just got, just got, you know, discombobulated when, when Matt Patricia came in and it was, has to be this big, has to be this size. And these are the only guys that work. And, and Dan Campbell's comments, I think kind of got misinterpreted, you know, when, when he's, when he said that he wanted a a downhill kind of linebacker, like, you know, Kobe Dean's going to make plays. And, like, I think that at the the end of the day, that's all that really matters.
1: That's fair. Yeah. And I I, I think I'm right there with you. Like, I think we tend to overestimate the value of of a player, like, in the third round. Like, ideally, yeah, you'd love to get a starter. You'd love to get an Amon Ra. I know he's fourth round. But in, in that range, you'd love to get a starter. But I think if you look at the history of this draft, Getting a rotational guy that that is either sub package or you know rotational guy on the on the defensive line, that's still being pretty. That's still good value there. It, um,
2: it's it's great value. And look at last year's draft, they they got McNeil and Iffy. Like right. th- those were two rotational guys that weren't going to come in. I mean, Aleem, eventually, you know, we knew he would probably come in and, and win the starters' share of reps, but he's still he's a nose tackle, right? So.
3: Julian Aguara was picked 67. You know what I mean? Like that's it. Third round. It's you know we're the way that this roster is built. We're looking at 66, saying hey, they could add a potential starter there. But at the same time, the third round and, and probably specifically pick 97. That's probably when they're going to get a specific guy that can do a specific role and can like fill a lot of things like plant on special teams and whatnot it weren't we might not be looking at a guy who you know they take it 97 and, and walks in and starts
1: i i really i know this wasn't part of the question but 97 i think is really where i think the line should start looking at tight end i think that's a great spot for a tight end too
3: yeah sure there's gonna be there's gonna be some talented guys there because that tight end you know, McBride's probably going to be your first guy. He might go into second. You might get a couple of other guys that jump up into that second round, but most of the bulk of the talented players at tight end are in that third round range. Yep.
1: All right, Carl, I know we kind of went off topic there, but appreciate the question, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, guys.
6: That very detailed information. One quick other question, this can be a yes or a no type answer. Um, any word on uh, making a list maybe on the website for – participants who you've seen in photos at the
1: off-season workouts uh so I did put out a tweet after the first set of photos went out um I, I could potentially do something like that um the I the the only reason I would maybe not do that is there does seem to be an overreaction to people that aren't just in the photos or video. And I, I don't know if I want to cause an unfair reaction when they just, they may ne- never cross paths with the photo, you know, they may be there still. And, uh, you know, people tend to overreact to stuff like that. Like, Oh my God, why isn't so-and-so there they Are they not bought in? And I don't necessarily want to create unnecessary drama, but I, I get the eagerness. Cause I, I mean, I spent, 30 minutes scouring every photo just to see because i was curious too so we'll, we'll, we'll see people on the internet overreacting what are you talking about <laughs> it's happened once or twice before uh, but i uh, appreciate the the questions there carl we are going to take our first break here when we come back more questions about the 2022 nfl draft as we head towards the finish line just a few days away y'all we're almost there we'll be right back
0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
7: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
1: And we are back here on Spotify Live, counting down to the 2022 NFL Draft, taking your questions live on the Spotify Live app. Download it. Join us every Saturday morning. Uh, not Obviously not next Saturday morning as we're going to be full in draft swing then. But uh, let's let's get back to our lines here. Ryan is next. How you doing, Ryan? Hello. Hey, how's it going?
8: Good. How are you guys this morning? Great. All right. So my question's a bit off the board, okay. but it pertains to the draft in Detroit in 2024. So every city that's had the draft since New York, they've all tried to showcase something that's specific about their city, such as in Nashville, they had the downtown with all the bars and the live music. Vegas is probably going to include the Strip. So, my question to you three as a fan, what would you like showcased about Detroit in the draft when it goes there? Ooh, I like
1: this question. I don't have a, does any of you guys have an answer right off the bat? Cause I'm, I'm
3: ratcheting my brain right now. I, I mean, look, Detroit is the automotive capital of the world. The, it's a Ford family-owned organization. I, I mean, everything – look at the clock that they put up, the countdown clock. It's a gear, right? Mm-hmm. Like it sure seems like they're going to lean heavy into the automotive industry in my opinion. Um, I don't know if that's my preferred uh, choice, but I don't know if I have a great answer Um you know, that goes beyond it. Like, I, I do think it would be really smart of them to incorporate, like, the Motown aspect, like, the sure. music part of it. Yep. Like, there's such a rich history of that in this community. And I think they can go a lot of different ways. But my guess is that the uh, the automotive uh industry is going to be at the, the forefront of of the focus i guess
1: it's just going to be three days of a, an extended ford
3: commercial <laughs> well i think there's going to be there's going to be a lot of those but at the same time <laughs> i i do think there's it's a unique enough city where you can incorporate a lot of those different aspects and i, I really think they could find some creative ways it, it's the same thing with like hard knocks right like if yeah. Hard Knocks doesn't do a segment on on Motown, I would be stunned, right? Because that seems very much up, up HBO's alley. But yeah, you know, it's they could go a lot of different ways, but th- that seems to be the the main focus, in my opinion.
1: Ryan, do you do you have an idea? And you can't say Coney Dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> I I really want them to feature Hart Plaza like heavily. Like I think mm-hmm. it's just such a beautiful part of Detroit, especially. When it when when it's looking right and they and they have it done up in in the right way and obviously with with the NFL coming to town I I think that there's going to be a lot of efforts put into um I don't want to say beautifying the city because it 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 has a lot of has a lot of beauty and history to it already to begin with but I I just think that that waterfront is such a perfect location um, to do a lot of things I mean that that's why that's why championship parades end there you know what I mean so. Um, as long as they kind of feature that heavily, uh, I, here's the thing about Detroit is like, there's all these little bits and pieces along the way, right? Like campus marshes is obviously going to be like the home for it, but you know, there, there's the, the theater district with, you know, with, with the Fox and, and all the other theaters that are down that stretch too on Woodward, um, you know, if they could figure out a way to incorporate like Belle Isle into the into the draft coverage, like I mean, that's another beautiful part of Detroit. So, yeah. um, they, they have lots of options. I think that's that's what's so cool. Like, you know, Ryan's initial question was, okay, Nashville has Broadway, they have you know the the street with all the bars and music and stuff. Um, you know, Vegas is obviously Vegas, but like Detroit just has like all these different elements like you guys talked about cars and and music in terms of motown and, and stuff like that so th- th- there this would be the thing is like if the nfl flubs this like it's totally their fault like there's so much to pull from
3: yeah i, I agree no they do the um they do like concerts and stuff like that like as as like you know separate events but like right. that are p- are part of the collective whole right. and I think doing like having a concert venue like at Belle Isle it would be like really smart to do.
1: We gotta call the committee. Let them know. We they got should the idea. <laughs> they're,
3: they're probably listening.
1: <laughs> yeah that's a good point. <laughs> all right Ryan appreciate the question. Uh I like to change the pace there too. All right uh, thanks fellas. All right. Let's go to our next caller, uh Kirk. How you doing Kirk?
4: Hey, guys. I'm doing good. Um, Good, good. Big fan. Um, I just have, like, a quick question, um, which is, like, about if the Lions do decide to go the quarterback route in the draft, um, it seems like the general consensus is uh, let the guy kind of, you know, develop for a year on the bench or more. Um, And, you know, I just know about myself. I'm not a very patient person, um, and I can bet that a lot of the people who think that they're patient may be a little less patient, you know, in week eight. Right. Um, so I guess I also don't really see the utility. It seems to me like guys are going to take their lumps anyway as a rookie, you, you know, depending on when they start. Um, and like the guys everyone points to are like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. To me, it's like I have a feeling they would have done all right even if they started right away. So I guess if you, you, you guys could maybe steer me up in the right direction on that.
1: Yeah, it, it's an interesting question because I think that is something that is actually pretty well debated um, for that exact reason. I think a lot of people think just get them out there. There's no no better way to learn than, than game time reps, game real game reps. And I think there's definitely an argument me- to be made about that. I know that the Lions' preference is to wait a year, or at least wait some time. Um, but, but I think you also bring up a good point that, you know, patience runs thin. And, and a lot of times I think the original plan – to, to let a guy sit an entire year goes by the wayside if your starter struggles and if golf struggles. I mean, how many of us looked in at 2021? We're like, we're gonna give golf some time. And then once you got to week seven and this team's 0-7, you're like, get golf out of there. There there were plenty of those people, and that pressure would be built. Like if he struggles again at the beginning of the year and they've got a Malik Willis waiting, I mean, they're gonna have a lot of pressure on them to to put him in there. And I I wonder if they'd succumb to that. So. Um I get, we'll we'll throw to you Ryan since you're you're our quarterback guy this draft cycle. Stop um it. <laughs> do you think there there is more value to starting a guy right away just to get those game reps out of the way is it are are you concerned about hurting a guy's confidence or I mean maybe in the in the Lions case since they have a good offensive line they have a couple good receivers and and runners like maybe you can start this guy day one. Yeah,
2: I you know I I think the Spotify live Uh, format, I think it just offers an opportunity for me to keep on plugging our, our midweek podcast um, (laughs) that we had with Brett, but like Brett brought that up, right? Like Mm -hmm. trial by fire might be the best way to get a quarterback initiated. And, you know, as Kirk mentioned, very specific situations, like you have to, you, you can't ignore the context. Like in front of Aaron Rodgers was Brett Favre, right? In front of Patrick Mahomes was Alex Smith, who It's a damn good quarterback, right? Like, former, like, first overall pick. Like, like they had the opportunity, plus they were already a good enough franchise where they, they were competing for the playoffs with those quarterbacks, right? Like, they had the luxury of doing that. I totally agree that maybe the Lions don't have the luxury of doing that because, like you said, Jeremy. By by the time by the time the Lions lost to the Eagles on Halloween, it was pitchforks, right? Like, yeah. not not only were people like done with Jared Goff, they were done with the rebuild. They're like, right. okay, re, re, the rebuild's done. Like, we, we got to move forward. Got to start winning all the football games we can. So, I, but I, I think the unique the unique position that the Lions are in, where they can take advantage of Jared Goff playing. And playing well, right? Is and I, Jeremy's going to hate this? But like the momentum that is, <laughs> might or might not be carried over. If Jared Goff starts playing well, well, th- then it is one of those situations, right? Where hey, the team is playing well. They have a they have a competent starter. It's it's not like Drew Locke is sitting in front of Malik Willis, right? Like it, right. It, it's not like there's it's not like there's a quarterback in front of him that Malik Willis should, should so clearly be starting over. Okay, for I mean, set your set your opinions of, of where Jared Goff was, uh, you know, during the first half of the season last year aside. The way that he finished was was pretty damn impressive. Like, it and, and I think it impressed the Lions' coaching and front office to the point where they're totally fine with maybe not even taking a quarterback in this draft and and kicking the can down the road because of how well Jared Goff played. So,
1: um.
2: Does that kind of answer the question in a roundabout way?
1: A little bit. And what I got from it is that you think Jared Goff is a better quarterback than Malik Willis. That's what I heard. Damn, I didn't answer the question the right way then. Uh, oh.
2: Eric, Eric, <laughs> Eric, hot tag,
3: help. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think maybe inadvertently you brought up something uh, that kind of I think works against the case for Malik Willis, and that the. The players that are often looked at as guys who are able to sit—it was because they were on playoff teams and they were able to, you know, be in the playoffs with Alex Smith at, at the helm, right? And you look at Sam Fran—they're—they're they're they're making the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo, yet they have their quarterback in waiting. You can—it makes sense when you are winning, getting to a point where your team is playoff ready despite your quarterback that then you can add that quarterback and let them sit for a team that is not playoff ready to add the quarterback. That's going to sit. It makes me concerned that, you know, about how you're utilizing your resources. And and for me, I don't think this team is, I I know I look, we've seen a lot of hot takes this year, uh, this off season, about how potentially ready this team is. I, I don't, I don't see it yet. This is, this is a team that is, you know, carrying some momentum. I don't care what Jeremy thinks. And um, it is in potentially on the way to, you know, winning half their games or, you know, just under half or maybe just over half of their games. The schedule sets up nicely for them. But this is not a team that is playoff ready. Um, and it's not a team that – and I think they need to invest in, in those aspects of it. Uh, and again, this is my personal opinion. I know I it, it's gonna differ, but um I'm I'm more into the I need I think they can wait and they need to invest into other you know positions. Fair enough. Thanks for your question, Crick. Appreciate sure. it. No problem. Uh let's move
8: on to Daniel. Daniel's next. Hey, found the unmute button. Nice, well done Hey, yeah, so calling in from Mexico I know all, you're all Tigers fans But you'd all want to know the Oaxaca Guerrero's lost their season opener So Ah, yeah. condolences Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes <laughs> Hey, so um, I wanted to ask like kind of the broader philosophical question About how you approach the uh, the draft um, And one of the criticisms or one of the, the things I've seen other sports writers say is that general managers tend to believe they tend to believe they're in more than they should in their own ability to select talent. Mm -hmm. Um, And they get locked in on certain players and, and, and I, you know, and I have a concern about Brad Holmes and the, that sort of, um, you know, uh, wanting to trade up to, to get their guy. And I know, I've heard Ryan, I remember last year said that, you know, there's another approach is, which is, you know, how many darts can we throw at the board? And that that really in a lot of ways uh, the draft is maybe a more random process um, than we'd want to think. Um, and one of the things I also think about in relation to that is that when you, you know, when you focus a lot, you know, focus your draft capital and getting that one guy, you know, that guy could get injured, right? I mean, you know, and, and like, that's it, you know, you, you've just lost all of this draft capital to some guy who's, you know, injury prone or is never going to, is never going to, uh, uh, you know, is never going to play again. So, you know, and it seems to me like obviously like quarterback is such an important position that you do have to really focus your draft capital Um, You know, but maybe less so with other positions. So maybe a better approach is to say, look, we're going to get as many good players as we can. We're going to try to develop them. Maybe we'll hit, maybe we'll get, you know, maybe some great players will emerge out of these later rounds, Um, you know, as opposed to being hyper focused on this is our guy. Yeah. so yeah. I just kind of wanted to maybe set that up as a little bit of a debate I, I I'm glad you brought it up because we we talked about it a
1: little bit after our conversation with Brett and I know I know Ryan has something to say or he, he wants he wants the the rock first so what you got all right so I I think
2: what what Brett brought up on our podcast on, on first bite was really interesting and I don't even know if it was on the podcast it might have been in um, the, the our, after show I think the yeah. after show yeah where we we. We're talking about, you know, the hit rate on GMs and in terms of how well they do, like the the difference between how well a GM does and how poor a GM does is so small and like it's so negligible. But like the real difference is how many darts they get to throw, like how many chances they get to make draft picks. But I think that this led to an even more interesting discussion that I want Jeremy to talk about a little bit is like Brad Holmes hubris, like how sure is he of certain players and how unwilling he is to maybe let the board fall to
1: him if a certain situation arises. Right, and this was something that, that goes, goes back to last year. And, you know, he had the comments about Levi that, that he wanted to go up and get him, and, and he kind of had to be talked out of it. He, he almost traded up for Jamar Chase. He did trade up to get Derek Barnes. And, and now you hear him say things like, if there's a player that we have buy-in and we want, I'm going to go try and get that player. That's the bottom line. There's value in being patient and sitting back. You've got to assess where your value is on your draft board and what the volume and depth is. But if your conviction is that high yeah, you just, you can't just sit, wait and be patient and see if that player's going to be there or not. Sometimes you've got to be aggressive and go get them. And listen, I don't like that. I don't like hearing that. And it's, it's really the only concern I've had with Brad Holmes from the get go is that I feel like his conviction sometimes is a little too high on individual players. And, and yeah, I I'm of the belief that the the only proven long-term strategy in the NFL draft is to just maximize your picks. Maximize the amount of shots that you get. And and listen, Brett Holmes has been a scout for 20 years. I get why he's confident in his abilities. It's all he knows. He loves the job. He's he's and he's got a pretty darn good track record. But the draft will catch up to anybody. It, it will make anyone a victim. Because you're not going to be 100%. We'll see how Levi works out. But right now, doesn't look particularly good. And if you almost traded up for that guy, it would have been even worse. So it's something that scares me. Is is it something that will make him sink overall in the long term? I don't know. Probably not. Because I I do think he's a good talent evaluator. But it's something that I definitely am, am a little bit
3: fearful of. Now talk me down, Eric. It doesn't scare me at all. Like okay. I, I I'm gonna take the exact opposite approach. It does not scare me at all. I I embrace the aggressiveness. Um if you have a player that you think is a difference maker, look I, I mean, if you look back at some of these drafts that have where teams have made significant moves, like look at Atlanta going up to get Julio Jones. You know what I mean? Like sure. that was an aggressive move. And part of the reason why um I think he uh he stuck around in Atlanta. So, Dimitriev stuck around in Atlanta so long was because he was an aggressive GM. And I get that. If you have a player that you like, I, I understand the concept to go get, imagine where this linebacker group would be if he didn't go after Derek Barnes. Like, cause if they just sat back and waited till the fifth round, In their pick, what type of talent was going to be there at that fifth round? He's like, hey, there's a player we like. We have to go up and get him. And in the grand scheme of things, what did he give up? A fourth round pick essentially to go up. And he ended up getting a seventh in return that he turned into Jefferson, who was going to be a nice role player. So I don't mind aggressiveness at all. I go the my philosophy with the approach to the draft, and I think that, or at least the the philosophy that I kind of buy into is that, is the three 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 philosophy, and that is when you come out of the draft, you're hoping to have three players that can compete compete to start, three players that fill a backup role, and three players that are special teams contributors, and if you can fill those three, three, three with either the draft picks or, you know, you end up getting the UDAFA to, to fill one of those roles Then I think that's a successful draft. And if you're going to miss on, you're going to miss on guys. That's just the nature of how the draft is. And that's why I think, you know, I understand the dart throw and you want to have a whole bunch of darts to go, but like at the same time, I would rather hit on a guy who I think is going to be around for five years and then, also miss on a guy at the same you know with the same level of pick as opposed to getting you know like three or four guys that are just mediocre players because while you need those mediocre players to fill out the roster, this roster is at a spot where they need to land playmakers like they Sir? they've talked over and over and over about getting impact players, and this team lacks superstars and so if you have a, a guy who you think can be a superstar, go get him i'm all about so so Eric on record saying
1: trading up for Mitchell Trubisky was a good move. That's what I hear
3: by the bears. Yeah. It was great (laughs) for the lions. It was
1: a great move for the
3: lions.
1: (laughs) No, but the the last thing I'll say on it, and it's an important part of the quote that that I left off both on on Thursday and and now, and he said, now there are not a lot of those players throughout the draft always, but when that player is identified, I'll always be aggressive. So he's not just talking about, Hey, I like this guy in the fifth round a lot. I'm going to trade future assets for it. No, it's a certain amount of guys that, that they have the buy-in, they have the personality, they have the talent. They're going to go up and get them. But like, I don't know. That just it, it scares me a little bit. When I mean, I I've said this for the past week or two. I think trading up from 32 is, is a serious possibility with this regime. If if there is a guy, whether it's you know maybe maybe it is um, the, the the linebacker David uh, sorry Devin Lloyd. Maybe he's down there at like 15 or 17 or 18. It wouldn't shock me to see them go up and get him. Am I am
3: I crazy about that? Like I, no I, I, no not at all because I, you know like you said with Levi he was talking about trading up last year so it's right. definitely in his thought process. You know I I think we I think we also gloss over the fact that he can be patient. He has been patient. Like he sure. was, he waited on a lean. Look at what the Eagles did. The Eagles traded back cause they're like, there's no way the lions are going to take two defensive tackles. And he waited and he got them, yeah. you know, the Eagles by being patient and trying to get tricky and add more picks, they ended up missing out on the guy they wanted. Right. And then look sure. at what St. Brown, like you watched him talking to Sheila in the, yeah. in the, in the rock room. And he's like, Hey, look, Look, we, we, do we need a receiver? Yeah, but look, this U.S.C. kid's going to be right about here, right where we're. And so, like, he's he has a his global vision of the board, and I don't think he's like this like wild, wild west guy that's going to go out and start <laughs> throwing things around all willy nilly. Like he has a plan, but I I can appreciate the fact that. If you have a guy, he's going to go get him. And when I think he was talking about trading up, I do think he was talking about trading up from thirty-two. I don't think he was talking about trading with the Jaguars. Like right. I don't, I, I don't think that's realistic. Okay. No. But yeah, I do think he was referring to like maybe thirty-two, maybe sixty-six. Like w- there's a spot there in, in, because there's a lot of value in the in those areas, and, and would make a lot of sense that um, if he likes a guy that's at the right spot. Um, I mean, look at look at our conversation with Reno last night where he traded up to get the linebacker in his little mock in his mock draft thing, right. Yeah. Like, there's you can get value in it if you time it right.
1: Fair enough. All right, I like that discussion. Thanks for the question, Daniel. Hey, thanks guys. love you guys. All right, appreciate it. All right, we're gonna take our last break here when we come back. We're gonna roll, wrap up our last Spotify live uh, session here right before the 2022 NFL draft. We'll be right back. We are back wrapping up things here on Spotify Live, our live Lions QA show right before the 2022 NFL draft. Let's jump right back into our callers. We've got Steven on the line. Steven, how are we doing?
0: Good. How are you guys
1: doing? Great. Thanks for having Thanks for joining us.
0: I got to say, first off, uh, this is my first one of these and after listening at one and a half speed on the podcast all the time, it's a little disorienting hearing your (laughs) normal voices. Um, I do that too. I have a couple of quick questions and um, one of them's kind of already been answered. Uh, The first one was assuming Aiden Hutchinson is their number one overall prospect, but they also at the same time, think Malik Willis is the guy at quarterback. If the Jaguars don't take Hutchinson, is there a scenario where Both of those guys are there and they take Malik over Aiden. And then my other question was just to kind of switch things up. Where do you see the other teams in the division with, I don't know what their picks are, but in the first couple of rounds, what are some players that you guys think they might be considering picking up that could, I guess, scare the Lions as Lions fans?
1: All right, let's start with the the Malik vs. Hutchinson debate, which I don't know if, if we've ever really had that one. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up because it's kind of an interesting discussion there. Um, who who wants to take it first? Because I feel like Eric, you know, Eric being the Michigan guy, big Aiden Hutchinson guy, Ryan being the Malik Willis guy. Do we just want to face you guys off against each other? We want to fight to the death, Eric. <laughs> uh, I think Eric should go
2: first, though. I, th- I think he should set set the table for why Hutchinson should be the pick because he'll come out sounding smart.
3: <laughs> look, the Hutchinson in love has nothing to do with Michigan. It, you
0: know, so let's let get that oh, out Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh
1: huh. Yeah. Starting yeah. with a little defensiveness. Okay. Well, look, when you, you set <laughs> I,
3: me up like that, no, oh, it was a jab. Um, it was a jab, and he countered. It, it was. Scary. The, the, the ridiculous thing is you went to Michigan as well. I so, know. like, well, I don't understand. Okay. All right.
1: I knew Hutchins. you'd be defensive over it. That's what H- I
3: Hutchinson is is the <laughs> Hutchinson is the best player in this draft, uh, regardless of position, even quarterback. Like this, he to me is a he's the safest player that you can pick. He has the highest floor of all the players in this draft, and and, and also one of the highest ceilings in this draft. Uh, like all prospects in this class, he does have some very obvious flaws, but they're not in the grand scheme of thing as detrimental to his game as we see with some other players right um this is a a guy who a lot of people undersell as saying you know he's only been in the conversation since the Ohio State game, which I think is ridiculous, right? I think he's he was in the conversation. He was a top 15 player for me a year ago. Uh, he was the best edge rusher on the board a year ago. For me, he's just maintained that when he went back to school and he got better and better and better as the year went on. He plays in big games. He understands how to play the run. He understands how to pass rush. There's so many parts of his game where he is an int- instant contributor on the field. Then when you go off the field, it's even better. He's a personality match with the coaching staff he's got perfect locker room fit he's from the area like he's there's so many aspects of what makes him the perfect player for the Lions if he's available that i think it it would be a no-brainer run the card up to the podium and uh make him a detroit lion
1: ryan counter Uh, i I love that he's a local guy
2: um just had to toss that in there uh the, (laughs) the, the plymouth boy uh stays home um Okay. So here's the thing. I don't think that there can be an argument made that if Malik Willis is their quarterback one and they think that he can be the guy to lead the franchise. I don't think that there's a way that you could sleep at night by passing on that guy to take the edge rusher. Like the quarterback is the most important position on the football field. And I, I think that I, full stop. Like, I, I don't think that there's a debate to be had there with, with that discussion. Whether Malik Willis is that guy, I, he, he is literally the foil to Aiden Hutchinson's draft profile, right? Like, what Eric just said about Aiden Hutchinson is very high floor, probably a higher ceiling than most people give him credit for. But he is, as Eric said, the safest player to take at the top of the draft. Malik Willis is not the safest player to take in the NFL <laughs> draft, okay? And, 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 and that's where the discussion starts, OK, and, and, and I think it depends on how risky Brad Holmes is feeling. And if, if I'm Brad Holmes, I'm in the second year of this retool that he calls it. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm willing to, to swing for the fences. And, 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 and I know that's not making the case for Malik Willis, but it, it, it's become harder and harder for me to think that he is the picket too. Um, just for that reason alone um and and a lot of the you know the talk leading up to the draft has been a lot of lukewarm stuff in terms of hey you know if a a quarterback is you know going to be the guy then we would take him but like for the most part it's been jared goff played well he's our guy a lot of that a lot of that discourse um so
1: yeah aiden hutchinson's a safer pick whatever (laughs) wow you just seeded the argument I, maybe I'll help you out a little bit because oh, there, Okay, do it. Michigan there's t- man. There's two things. One is that I think it's worth pointing out that the Lions are doing more than enough due diligence on Malik Wills to, to believe he's a possibility. Okay. Yes, very good point. Thank they, you. Wish I would have made it myself. Yeah, I mean, obviously they saw plenty of him at the senior bowl and and as we said before like that's probably all you need. But they brought him in for a meeting. And to me, Brad Holm does not strike me as a guy who, who would waste time to throw a smoke screen. That does not make sense to me. And I, th- I think, in general, smoke screens are blown out of proportion. Anytime something happens that l- looks out of the ordinary, looks weird, people just say, oh, that's a smoke screen. I don't think that's the case. I think the Lions are doing their absolute due diligence on, on Malik Wills and more. So I think I think the possibility there, and then I go back, and I hate to keep plugging our, our previous podcast with, uh, with Brett, but... He specifically said, and, and it's something I agree with, Malik Willis, if he reaches that potential, is the quickest way and most efficient way to kickstart this rebuild. It, it's, it's the quickest way to turn around a franchise, is to get a, an elite-level quarterback. And, and you can have all the debates you want, but the original question here was, if Malik Willis is their guy, would they pick him or Ian Hudson? And I think, I think if he's their guy, there's no question you take the quarterback. How's that? Was that good, Ryan?
2: I, I'm I'm really proud of you, Jeremy. <laughs> I've I've gotten you on board. And I, and wait,
1: just, wait, wait! That's not that's not what I said.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> I I was gonna say I've gotten you on board, but really it was Brett because I know Brett did a lot of the uh, carrying of the water. But don't forget that Brett did say on our podcast that I was the one who turned him on to Malik Willis. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, favorite. that that that, gro- <laughs> that groan really really
1: just it. I felt it. I felt it, Jeremy. Eric, you've unmuted yourself. It feels like you want the last word here.
3: Oh, no, I don't need the last word. I think I feel my base enough. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh,
1: appreciate the question there, uh, Stephen. Um, let's move on to Caden. Caden, are you there? I am here. How are you doing, man?
7: Doing good. Finally got a chance to get on here and not slinging packages all day. Um, <laughs> nice. I just have a quick uh, little thought process. We're probably not going to stick at 32 and 34. One of those two picks, we're either going to slide up and slide down. Do you think, considering how Brad Holmes likes his defensive line, with 32 or 34, do you think we're going to try and sneak one of those defensive tackles in, like Travis Jones or Perry and Winfrey? Um considering the depth at safety wide receiver and linebacker which we're we're all thinking is going to be one of those positions in there i think defensive tackle is an underrated need considering brockers is on his last year and levi doesn't seem to look all that we had been hoping for
1: yeah i i think you're right there um it definitely is an underrated need because even beyond that, um what's what's the rotation behind those guys? It's what, what what does it look like in a year or two down the line? So I agree it's a need. Um and I'll throw it to Eric here because you actually took Devante Y in our um our community mock draft, I think, at thirty four. Um kind of surprised he fell that far, but he did. Um so so you're clearly behind the idea of potentially adding an interior defender uh th- th- there. So tell me why.
3: Well, yeah, there's, there's an, the Brockers is the, is the question mark for me, right? Like I, yeah. I, I think Brockers is, you know, he's maybe tapering off the end of his, nearing the end of his career. He probably has a couple more years left. Um, How many more, how many of those years will be in Detroit? It's hard to say, you know, at least one more. Uh, my, my kind of overall idea is that they're grooming Levi to be his replacement. But at the same time, um, you know, you need depth and you need rotational guys. And, and if they're going to rotate four guys through that interior, they can. you can justify adding a guy this year uh, for that rotation, plus you're, you're adding a third guy maybe potentially for long-term stability. So I, I'm definitely on board with taking a defensive tackle. And I do think you would have to take them relatively high. Uh, for my board, there's only – like six defensive tackles that I think you can get this year that are going to be able to make an impact. And I don't know if any of them are going to be there at 66. Like it, that's just my kind of overall thinking with it. Um, whereas at safety, I have eight players that I think could challenge to start. And I also think you could get those guys as late as the the set, the back second pick of the, of the third round. So um, it, for me, I, I would take, I wouldn't hesitate, you know, if the right guy fell to the right spot Uh, like in the community mock draft, when Wyatt, who is a, you know, top 25 player from on my board, when he fell to 32, I was like, or at 34, I was like, well, it's too good of a value to, you know, to to pass over. And I, and I think the same thing were to happen if Brad Holmes is sitting there on the board and, and there's a player that has fallen that, you know, he probably thought shouldn't have. uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's out of bounds to, uh, to take a defensive lineman, defensive tackle. What do you think, Ryan?
2: I am very much not on the defensive tackle train uh, Okay. For, for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, Brockers is going to be around for another year, and I think that he's a stable piece. Um, I, I agree with Eric that he might be entering the twilight of his career, but uh, they went out and they got him for a reason,
3: uh,
1: veteran leadership, Give an extension too. I, he's he's under contract for two more years, if I'm not
3: mistaken. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they had they had to get his contract extended for cap purposes last year. Sure. Um he is signed through twenty twenty three.
2: Yeah. So I, I, I think Brockers is is a piece here, right? And the Lions went out and they spent, you know, a second round pick and a third round pick taking Levi and Aleem. And I don't think you pull the plug on Levi yet. Like I know we're all very, very much down on Levi right now. Like his stock couldn't be any lower because of the, the, you know, just to put it bluntly, like disappointing rookie season. He had, you know, the, the back injury though. I don't think it's something that, um, I don't think it's something that enough people acknowledge because I, the back injuries are, are problematic, right? Like look at the bears, you know, taking Tevin Jenkins mm-hmm. who had a back injury and, you know, missed the entire rookie season. Like, I, Levi is somebody that the Lions need to need to produce. Um, he they, they need him to to be productive, and they need to give him a shot, though. Like, if he's healthy, he should get a lot of snaps this year. Aleem should get a lot of snaps this year. I, I, I think that the Lions have enough components in that defensive front that they need to be worrying about other positions. I, I totally agree with Eric in his assessment of, yeah, it's a deep safety class. They could potentially get a guy at 66 or 97 that could come in and compete. I would really like it if they got, as Eric said though, earlier, like they need playmakers. Like they need top shelf talent. Like I would love it if they got like safety two on their board at 32 versus getting a, another defensive tackle
3: to just fill in, in the rotation. I, I, I want to counter that just real briefly, if I can. Um, sure. I'll allow it. One. The, thanks. Uh, <laughs> one. Uh they have Nick Williams snap counts to make up, right? Because sure. you lost Nick Williams and he didn't add anybody, so you have to you have to give those snap counts to somebody. And, and maybe you're giving them to Levi and, and and Aleem, and you're increasing their and that's that's enough. Uh, but that would be the hope, right? Like that right. would be the yeah. ideal scenario. But even if even if Levi takes some massive steps, this was an the defensive line that struggled against the run. And it struggled at gaining at getting uh, interior penetration. And so, if you're losing a guy, a starter, starter level with starter level snaps, and you haven't added anybody, are are you? How, where are we expecting this unit to all of a sudden become a better unit? You know what I mean? Like we're hoping that Levi gets better. We're hoping that Aleem gets better. Like I think they've got they they have snaps available. They had it's a it was a weakness on the team and adding a de- interior defensive player it can be a a it can be an opportunity to you know chew up some snaps an opportunity to get better against the run to maybe get some, some interior penetration like go i don't think they're just going to be hoping that these second year players take the next step i, I think we all are hoping for and we all you know i don't think any of us want to under, undersell levi because you know i think the potential is definitely there at the same time this was a unit that needs to be addressed and it has not been addressed if anything it's got weaker the the
1: one thing to to also keep in mind is that free agency is still ongoing and I I wouldn't be surprised to see them dip into that because they do need I mean they need bodies a hundred percent like John Pennacini Deshaun Cornell Bruce Hector like that's that's it outside of the guys that we've already talked about
3: yeah and that's a great point like if they don't if they don't land the right defensive tackle at the right spot because like I said there's only like six guys right. and there's thirty two teams looking for those six guys Hell, a- Akeem Hicks is still out there I mean that's where I, I was going yeah I don't, I don't know if the Lions are here. gonna
1: grab him or if he'd want to come to Detroit but like. Mm-hmm. That'd be a pretty
3: nice quick fix right there. I know yeah, he's 32. But, well, and there's other guys too. Like there's, I mean, uh, Clay Campbell's out there. He's older, of course, but like if you're just looking for a guy to, you know, come in and get some snaps, some Malik Collins, I think is still out there. Sheldon Richardson, uh, Solomon Thomas, I believe. Like now we're getting to like lower end guys. But again, you're talking about rotational players, right? Yeah. And so they can absolutely, I guess my point is, is they need to add a defensive tackle. In some capacity. And if it's right. not the draft because it doesn't fall that way, then that's fine. But I fully expect them to add another defensive tackle at some point.
2: So so just real quick to that point, though, Eric, like that's why I think that, yes, they, they can add a guy who's going to take up some snaps, but I, I just think that they have more pressing needs. And and that's why, like, okay, why it's there at 34, you can talk me into that because I think he's the best defensive lineman Interior defensive lineman. I'll say, because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to ruffle your feathers about Trayvon Walker, but like, like I think he's the guy instead of Jordan Davis. Like, I, I, and getting him at 34 would would be just a value pick at that point. And and the Lions, truthfully, like they're in the position to make value picks. Um, and the one other thing I want to mention real quick is Tevin Jenkins didn't miss his entire rookie season, but he only played six games. But like, I,
1: yeah, whatever. I don't know the draft. <laughs> the draft. I, li- I like that you're o- your own you are your own corrections department appreciate i appreciate I, that i'm the honest. tony Reale of myself <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the question kate i thought that was a really good discussion
7: thanks guys uh eric you took the nick williams point like right out of my mouth so <laughs> that um appreciate all you guys do i listen to you guys on route like every single day so i just appreciate you guys keeping me entertained with all the lions talk and uh can't wait for Thursday.
1: Yeah, me neither. And I appreciate your support, man. Um, um, it, it means a lot to us. It means everything to us. Is, that's how we can do these things so that people care enough to, to join us. And so that will lead us into our final caller today. Joe is here. Joe, how are you doing? Thanks for waiting. And the doggo is his picture. I like it. I do like the doggo picture. You st- You there, Joe?
2: Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee.
1: going once Joe going twice Joe and if you're having issues Joe you can also just throw the question in the chat otherwise I can pull a question from chat actually Greg is still Greg rejoined I didn't see him before all right Joe we'll 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 take a rain check here and I'll bring Greg who's also been waiting a really long time Greg are you there
9: Single G. Yeah, hi guys. How you doing? Perfect. I found it. I found the mute button. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want that to be a thing from now on. <laughs> uh, real quick, I'll say my this. I think every Lions fan will say, "I'm tired of not having a pass rush." Uh, yeah. With Patricia Rush three drop eight, I hated it. Can't stand it. Uh, that being said, with number two pick, I not disappointed in Hutchinson, Thibodeau, or even Walker. But – and I know we have limited resources with those draft picks. How would you feel if they doubled down with an edge uh, at 32 or 34, somewhere in there? Um, I wouldn't say Ojabo because of the injury. I mean, he might come back from that. Fine, no big deal. But uh, someone like Drake Jackson out of USC, uh, I think it would be a nice pick, a one-two punch. There's no telling if – uh, Romeo Aquar will come back fine. There's no saying that Harris is going to have another year like he had, which was out of the blue. No word on Julian Aquar or uh, Bryant if they're going to do good. How would you guys feel about doubling down and saying, let's actually have a pass rush to help our DBs uh, right now?
1: I, I like this question specifically because I feel like we, we've talked about doubling down on positions before. But I'm not sure if we've ever talked about doing back-to-back at 2-32. And, and I think if there was a position I'd be okay with, it might be edge. But I'm, I want to throw it to you guys to, to maybe talk a little deeper about maybe going 2-32 on, on edge prospects. Because there, there might be some guys there at 32 that, that would make sense. And if you already grabbed one, you have to wonder if, if you would do it again.
2: Yeah, I, I want Eric to carry the water in this conversation. But real quick, I want to say that if Devontae Wyatt was there at 32, like, you do want to talk about pass rush. I know it's not an edge, but like, that's why I could be talked into that, right? Is like mm-hmm. the the amount of pressure that a player can generate is is just going to be so imperative to this defense. And and like, like you know, like Greg said, it's going to take some of the uh, going to take some of the onus off the defensive backs. So, I, Eric, Eric, I, I want to know like because we talked about this before, like in terms of the tiers of edge rusher. Once you start getting into that 32 range you're talking about developmental guys guys that need a lot of seasoning talking about the boy mafias of the world um arnold ebbecetti like is that something that you'd be willing to to double down on
3: it'd be a tough sell for me because of the holes at the, at the other spots and the players that i believe would be available at those other spots like the safeties and the linebackers that are going to be at that at those spots um could be potential starters, right? And if you're taking an edge at 32, you're taking a potential backup. And I know that there's value in, in getting depth, but they have investments in uh, in Bryant and in Julian. And so, with those guys in the fold, I think they could be a little bit more patient with if they were going to add a, a pass rusher to to not have to add one at 32. I, I just it would be hard for me to justify adding a backup when you could add a player who could start at a, at another key position. That that's that's why I would not lean so much at that 32-34. Now, earlier we talked about if once you get into that third round, how you're starting to pick guys that are more situational players that fill situational roles and if you want to tell me that they're going to take another edge in that range, I'm I'm more willing to listen to the conversation then. I I do think there's some value to adding a more pass rush if you don't have confidence in you know the four guys that were in your rotation uh, you know last year right so um I is if I think Drake Jackson could be there at 66 um I don't know I don't think like I I do think like Ebeckati and, and Mafia they're going to be gone right um we've talked about Josh Paschal on this uh, format uh, before as a as a multifaceted positional player on the defensive line uh from south carolina is a a rotational depth player who i think would be better than like an austin bryant right so you could justify that um so there's from san
2: diego state
3: cameron thomas yeah Yeah. right um so there's uh uh, i think sam williams is actually the last guy in that tier those are pretty much like that third round tier for me Um, And,
2: and you view logan hall more as like an interior guy
3: yeah, he's a yeah, I have him as one of my six interior guys. Uh I think he would be in that 30 pick 34 Agreed, range, yeah. If he if he was there at 66 I I would be a little bit surprised. Um so yeah, like I could I could buy into the fact that you're talking about adding one of these guys as a guy who can be a situational player and maybe develop into something more substantial down the road. Um I could also be talked into saying, "Hey, a guy like Amari Barno out of Virginia tech might be there in the fifth or sixth round. And this is a guy who is purely an outside pass rusher right now, but he has special teams value. And so like, I could, I would say, Hey, if you want to take him on day three, I'd be cool with that too. Like he's 6'5, 246, And he ran a four, three, six. Like that's a special teams (laughs) player. If I've ever seen one, like that's nuts. That's nuts to me. And so like, I could see that. I could see them saying, "Hey, um, like uh, the Jesse uh, Lucchetta, the the kid out of Penn State, like who's kind of that uh, off the ball slash edge rusher hybrid guy." Like I could see them saying, "Hey, we're going to take him and we're going to see where he develops uh, if he's there, like in that fifth round range, and see if we can, you know, use him on special teams and use him situationally and try and build him into something more." So. Yeah, it's a little easier for me to buy in um, once you get later about double dipping. I think double dipping at 32, 34 is just a little too rich for me, uh, considering the types of players and the positional uh, and the needs at certain positions for me.
1: So you're telling me you're turning down a Hutchinson, (laughs) Lewisine, and Arnold Ebikabi draft.
3: (laughs) I, I think uh it would i would want to replace the abaketti with somebody else that's <laughs> what i would say okay um I, I i i tried to trick you it didn't work well if here, you would have said if you would have that. said <laughs> if you would have said hutchinson ajabo and daxton hill you know then oh yeah of course. you would have loved that yeah i would yeah. have loved that yeah i michigan yeah. homer than i am follow it up with
2: hassan haskins at
3: 66 all right <laughs> okay. let's go yeah. all right now
1: you're now you're you making want to talk about andrew stuber i can talk about too. no i'm
9: good <laughs> all right. I, I, thanks, guys. Um, can I ask one more question. Or, yeah, go ahead. All right, real quick. I, again, with my idea of doubling down, uh, again losing resources, and you guys kind of hit on it. Uh, Aleem, uh, what is it? Akeem Hicks is out there. Who's one guy? I, if you could get him in and get him on a contract, who's a free agent right now that you would love to add to the team? Uh, I'm thinking Landon Collins. You know that safety position. If you could, you could develop a safety, or even harris some more uh you could start landing collins right away if you could get him in and under contract who's someone you would love to bring in
1: oh i don't have my free agency list uh, handy here but my, I, I list like list is collins.
3: my lip, list is not up to date but the honey badger is sitting out there sure. and i think if you're talking about no holds barred i can grab a guy and plug him in i mean that seems awfully tempting um I, Hicks is awesome, but Hicks is also 32. Whereas, right. uh, well, I guess Mateo is only 29. But um, yeah, he, him, uh, he'd make a lot of sense. And I'm sure there's a receiver that you could find out there too. You know, oh, I mean? you want to yeah. get Odell? Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Odell is Will, Full, is Will Fuller signed? Like, I can't remember. Um, you know, I don't know. Dan wants us to ask if we're, we should trade for Debo. I mean, I don't I mean, if we're, we're trying to stick to free agents here, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think if you could add somebody like, like a Mateo or, or a Hicks, I, boy, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I, it might go a little bit against what they're trying to do, but it'd be fun. Anyone on your list, Ryan, that, that
1: pokes out as, as some, I mean, Antonio Bryant, there's a wide receiver that's available.
3: This podcast uh, is over. Antonio
1: Brown. <laughs>
3: <Okay>. <laughs> That's what I, what I meant to
1: say. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um. No, I, I. Well. Truthfully, I think that guy was Deshaun Elliott, right? Like, I, I think that that was the guy for a lot of us. Who, you know, we we had the safety position circled, and Brad Holmes ends up making that signing. But, yeah, I, I I agree with Eric for the most part. Like, I mean, if if you can if you can plug in Tyron Matthew at this point, that I mean, that fixes like nickel corner. That fixes the split zone safety, I mean, that, that would just be that'd, that'd be an insane pickup for the Lions.
1: You guys interested in, like, Clowney is out there, Melvin Ingram? I know we're talking older guys, but, you know, we, we need, potentially need to you guys in the, in the rotation. Dude,
2: time is a flat circle. We're back to Melvin Ingram. Didn't we have this discussion last year, too?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we'll close it up there. Greg, appreciate the questions. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You, too. And that's it guys. That is our last Spotify live before the NFL draft. We are just days away now before what we have been waiting for, for months. Some of us even longer than that. Not, not me, but you know, maybe other, at least one other person on this call has been waiting since, I don't know, September. I feel seen. (laughs) No comment. Although, you know, there was a certain someone else that has been tracking a certain quarterback since before September. See, I, I just want clarification. Eric said he
2: feels seen. Is he talking about Lewis? Or? Oh. Oh, oh. oh!
1: Clever. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's get to the draft. All right. We're going to close it up there. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for everyone who joined and and braved the the, the hotlines. Um, but until next time, guys, thanks for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.